Welcome to Indefensive Humanity. My name is Ostris Oz Miller. Of course, Khalid Johnson, my co-host, is here. Khalid. Hi. <laughs> um, so today we are recording in lieu of the podcast guest being on the podcast. Um, we had scheduled an interview. Things just kind of fell through. Hopefully we get them in the future. Mm-hmm. But today, instead, we'll be discussing uh, the kind of mindsets of us versus them and uh, the feasibility of that as a kind of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Khalid, we do have this conversation, I would say, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, just about. It has been a regular occurrence. Uh, we are on diametrically opposing sides. Normally, this would not be the case. You think two people who are neither on one end of the political spectrum are going to agree on something like this, but that is not the case. Because whenever we go to one side of the political spectrum or to one area of the political spectrum, the differences have to be bloated, so to speak, have to be extenuated so that you can separate yourself, show your uniqueness. And this is not an active goal of having these differences. These are just whenever you're in a room, right, with someone who thinks similarly to you, you have the ability now to dive more deeply into what you thought you agreed on uh, before. And then you find out maybe, you know, you talk to someone, let's say they're, they voted Republican and whatnot, you have a conversation with them, turns out they're a libertarian, and you're a fascist. And then it's like, wow, we don't actually agree at all, except we voted. And I, of course, use this example because it is the extremity of opposition to what we are. But nonetheless, let's get it started. Khalid? So I guess initially we should uh, preface with why we have opposing views. I guess it's probably more efficient for you to start. Uh, That way I could give my response, which always generally comes off as more of a, of a rebuttal anyway. Okay. Okay. So, so to establish my beliefs, right? I believe obviously being a creator of indefensive humanity in the goodness, the, the capability of humans to establish normative goodness. But I do believe left in our states without um, assistance from others, right? I believe that there are a sizable amount of people who wish to do others harm or care more about themselves than they do others. Thus, I believe that there aren't enough good people just naturally, right? Nature versus nurture to uh, countermand the people who wish to do other harm. And then this comes into play with anarchy. So Khalid um, will now explain, if you will, anarchy. And then I will start to give my beliefs about why this certainly won't work in 2020. So I'm pulling up the actual definition. uh, So I don't say anything wrong. Give me just one second. Mm -hmm. And while he does that, I'll just keep prefacing 
So I feel right. I'm not a Hobbesian, right? I don't believe with, with Hobbes that humans are born brutish and evil. I don't necessarily believe that, but I also don't believe humans are born inherently neutral either. Right. I feel if we establish a social contract and whatnot, where people are allowed to have guns and own property and do whatever they please, as long as it doesn't infringe upon themselves, people will begin to think, well, I have more power than someone else. So it's only logical that I infringe upon someone else. That's what I fear will happen in one form of anarchy. Okay. So the, uh, the definition that I am going for is um, anarchy as defined as a state of society without government or law. So it's the you know disestablishment of government um, and allows people to live their lives as they want. Um, basically, you know, if people choose not to work, they have that option. If people choose to work, they have that option. Um, I was introduced to this concept kind of in full in reading um, the works of Elizabeth Goldsberry. Um, so there are two schools of thought for anarchy. You have, you know, the more popular um, idea of what anarchy is within, you know, our common kind of mindset, right, which is uh, a state of disorder, you know, um, and like, okay, so there's capital A anarchy, which is, you know, once again, the ability to, you know, live life without necessity of work. Um, you know, you can work if you want, you don't have to work if you don't want. Um, society kind of self-governs um, without like a formalized government, right? There are no people in power, but you know, as we generally recognize anarchy, we recognize it as chaos, right? Chaos and disorder, disrupting establishments, right? And so there are different schools of thought for these two different kinds of definitions of what anarchy is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I'm with Martin Luther King Jr. saying that if a law is unjust, then we have a duty uh, moral beyond legal societal norms to overthrow said law, to oversay, uh, you know, to have that equal, equitable oversight of what is inherently not dutiful to a people, right? Segregation is not inherently dutiful, even though some people may have made an argument for so, it was not. However, I do feel at times, right, like whenever I think of philosophy, you know, the ability in its basis to think critically and to expound upon concepts with great prejudice. And I say prejudice, meaning the ability to discern what is and what is not relevant to what one is currently speaking of. I feel that some rules right, whether established by the people, whether established by a legislature, what have you, offers you the freedom to think beyond those rules, to be creative. But if there are no rules, 
it is in my mind and perhaps someone can show me a different way but what i have seen from civil wars from unrest in several nations throughout history throughout contemporary spaces is that whenever governments are disestablished there are people revolutionaries who say they will protect the people through egalitarianism through an agrarian society right but then there are and we come back to certain people who are capable of not utilizing empathy or who are incapable who do not possess empathy who will ride on the back of said revolution right as we saw with the bolsheviks cuban revolutions uh, all of south america you know you have a, a few good pacemakers who would like to limit the amount of violence right we think of the some of the people in the french revolution hey we can move this uh so where we don't have to do it violently and you have robespierre come in all right let's do it a few days later cool kill them too because they don't fully agree with me that's what i fear i fear it, it starts off with good intentions and then those who are able to easily manipulate and to misguide people with false empathy will uh, subvert the movement through violent means. So, you know, as I look at uh, the conversations that me and Osteris have had earlier, um, you know, in relation to the ideology of us versus them, right? My belief system is always rooted in oppressors, right? Um, for example, I, as a black man, when confronted with, with racism by a racist, right? Um, when confronted by a racist, um, right? Sure, one could look for common ground. However, it is, I am diametrically opposed to somebody that wants to do me harm, right? Mm -hmm. I am... Mm -hmm. I have no interest in trying to um, trying to befriend somebody that does not even recognize my humanity, and so you know me as the oppressed. It does become this idea of the oppressed versus the oppressor, the oppressed versus the oppressive systems put up by the oppressor, right? So it doesn't like the us versus them is kind of forged into society because society has always kind of created divisions in people, right? You look at uh, your proletariat and your, and your bourgeois, right? You have this ruling class and you have the working class and the ruling class is making uh, $2 billion while your working class is making, you know, seven twenty-five an hour, right? And so, you know, you're not going to find equal ground because equal ground has not, there's not really much room to find the equal ground, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to see eye to eye because the ideology that um, the oppressor, right, is above you. And honestly, my belief is it's not on the oppressed to, to try to redeem the oppressor, to try to break bread and befriend the oppressor. You know, I think it falls along the lines of, like, I always think that responsibility falls on allies, right? So, for example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, going back to my point about racists and racism, right? 
Um, it's not my job to look for middle ground. It's not my job to try to convert somebody because up until the point where they do, um, up until the point where somebody does change, and I do believe that everybody has the capacity for change, right? I believe everybody has the capacity and ability to be a good person, but until you're at that point, until you know you recognize my humanity, you recognize the worth of my life, and recognize your complicitness within these oppressive systems, then no, it is kind of us, ver me versus you, or us versus oppressors, mm -hmm. right? Because unless unless you change, you are the enemy that I have to fight against. I see, I see. So I feel, right, and you can personally see this as you have siblings. You may not feel the same way about your siblings as some people, even I would. However, I think we can look at it this way. Right. And this is just how I look at it. I fall out of what colonizers would say is tribalism, what I prefer to say, and what you have said, dichotomy or diametric opposition. I fall out of that in favor of, hey, you are my you are my sibling, not in the eyes of God. We're not using that. But genetically speaking, you are, you know, I don't even care about that. I'm not a species in defense of all species, but you are here in this place with me, you know, as, as the song says, all the people in this world, but I'm in this place with you, you know? So I say, when I am here, you may hate me, but I refuse to hate you. I refuse to feed fire with fire, as we talked about with Jeff Harry in the previous episode. If you try to burn a swath out of forest, you may stop the fire, right? But you've also destroyed hectares of forest in an attempt to stop the fire that might not even work. You might exacerbate the problem, you know? Worse yet, if you do so in a way against the antagonist, white fragility, as we've talked about in the podcast many times, then this only serves to give them fuel to show how they're better than you. You know, it's like, oh, you you come at me with smart. You think you're smart. You think you know everything. Now I'm going to kill you, you know, and then perhaps you've proven a point and you may have become a martyr, unfortunately. However, you don't get to see the results of that right? I'm not saying lay down. I'm not saying they're not your current enemy. What I am saying is it is not us versus them. It is them versus us, right? Think about it this way. Change, change the perspective of who is the antagonist, right? Even though if I, we are versus them, then that makes it seem like we are the protagonist against an evil. I do not believe they're inherently evil i believe they are socialized to be evil to have evil thoughts but think of it is them and their socialization against us and our ability to reason with logic we must go down deep within ourselves be able to philosophize be able to strengthen our fortifications against them right don't don't kid yourself right they a lot of them probably will kill you if you don't defend yourself. What I'm saying is we do not initiate the attack. That's not saying we don't protest. I'm not saying that we protest. What I am saying is we know unequivocally if I, if you 
If many of us get pulled over by the police, we run the risk of getting shot. Do I say that we go for respectability politics and respect him? No, because it is his duty not to kill me at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I don't ever want to hear somebody use my words against me and say, oh, just comply. Compliance does not help by any means. However, what I can say is whenever not in that specific situation, if I meet someone with a Confederate flag uh, talking to me about, let's say, hunting and about uh, white nationalism or, or white people being a dying race, I'm going to tell them, hey, to be honest, you have an ignorant opinion. To be honest, if you swing on me, I am liable to break your arm, but I will not initiate the attack. So I'm just giving you fair warning right now. Let it happen, right? Whenever I see us versus them, I see Caitlin, whatever her name is, gun girl, coming to a, a rally, and then she's asking incendiary questions, and then people get upset and push her. That puts us in the frame because you know how they're going to distort that which they're posting to their own accounts, and then it's going to make it look like us versus them. Right? It's going to make it look like we antagonize them to respond when, in fact, a lot of times it is it is both parties. But as you know, with our president distorting the truth, our current president. Saying there were good and bad people on both sides, that's not the same because there might be people who wanted to commit violence on, let's say, our side. But there were also people. Who came with the sole purpose of knowing that they could antagonize an attack to get sympathy from their side. And by their side, I do, of course, mean the right and the far right. Some might even say the alt right. Okay, but I'd say that the us, vice, uh, us versus them, you know, mentality, uh, it, it does not always uh, uh, indicate violence, right? It does not always indicate physical violence. Um, you know, it's like when you look like versus, right? You know, when you look at that term, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. opposition, right? Just being opposed to uh, fighting against, um, but in fighting against, there are things that we do, um, i.e., protesting, right? We are protesting against, uh, you know, we've protested against fascism, we've protested against misogyny protested against racists and racism right so it does not always like like and those protests are mostly peaceful right does not always indicate uh physical violence you know i think that is a way that some of this can be taken um but it does not always indicate that right you know in that opposition uh in that fight against people fight against the oppressors, right? Um, exercising the means that we have at hand, which, um, you know, recognizing who your enemy is and doing everything in your power or everything feasibly within your power, um, you know, to do what you can to uh, defeat your enemy, right? And in certain cases, that means voting, protesting, uh, actively engaging in 
uh, discourse if that's what you do. You know, I know there are some people that don't want to have conversations with their enemies, right? With their oppressors. I mean, I'm not really keen on having conversations with racists, right? But, you know, you have to recognize who you're fighting against. You know, you can't just be like, you know, there is no enemy or the enemy is just, uh, is just our class system, right? Because you can't just like, I think I'm losing my train of thought, but, um, you know, you have to recognize who and what you're fighting against. And that does uh, reaffirm us versus them because you're fighting against someone or something, right? In this election, we were fighting against, uh, we were actively fighting against uh, Trump, right? Or, you know, actively fighting against the party and the individuals that elected Trump in the first place. And we're continuing to vote for him anyway, right? That is the them, us versus them. It, it, like, unfortunately, the reality is we're divided and in systems where we're divided and divisive systems, there are going to be sides, right? Mm. Okay, I hear you, right? And I don't like saying I hear you because that means I am listening or I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. I am listening. I heard everything you said. I just want to know, right? Whenever I say, like whenever I think about verses, right? I'm an etymology guy. I think of Latin, like Vulgate Latin, vulgar Latin. I'm like, cool, towards, maybe even to flip. I'm thinking, cool, it's us versus them. Am I trying to be against them as it's conceived now? Or am I trying to go towards them, right? To bridge that divide. Am I trying to flip them perhaps? Come conversation with you know with the intent of going towards and bringing across right flipping those speaking points to bring them to my side or am i simply trying to as it's now conceived versus that combative school of argumentation am i trying to destroy them at all costs am i just trying to do one of those headlines ben shapiro destroys lib liberal am i doing that or am i trying to show them the truth as he would say facts don't care about your feelings however they do get quite hurt whenever someone brings some truth to light that does not coincide with they do you know like saying my wife's a doctor wap is not a good thing you know um but I say, are we trying to bring people to us? Are we trying to bridge the divide and make sure? Because we could learn something in the process, right? I don't want them to come to me. I don't just want them to listen. Maybe they some, say something logical, right? And then I'm like, oh, well, you're wrong because you're on the, on the wrong side. Thus... I'm right. Everything I say is right. I can't learn anything from you. You're a racist. Goodbye. I think that it, one, has more nuance than that. Two, um, once again, if, and I guess I made this point in an earlier podcast, if you have the energy, right, if you as an oppressed person or part of an oppressed group have the energy to uh, pour into people, you know, that are opposed to you, right? If you have the energy to pour into them and that is your choice to do so, then, you know, more power to you. 
but I do not think that it falls on oppressed people to try to change the hearts and minds of their oppressors. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't agree with that because uh, frankly, a lot of the, so for example, racism, racism is, uh, was originated, you know, especially within America, um, you know, the systemic racism towards black people originated by white people. That is, that is, that is for them to, to fix, right? That is for white people to be, uh, actively having these conversations and, 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 you know, trying to say people that they can, right? I do not think that it falls on a black person that a racist fundamentally hates, right? I don't think it's on that black person to sit up and try to, uh, say, to try to save their souls, to try to, you know, help. They should not have to validate themselves to somebody that does not uh, see the validity of their life, right? They shouldn't have to do that. Now, once again, if as an oppressed person, you have the energy to do this and you want to do it, more power to you, but it's not your job because that's not a problem that you created. That's a problem that, you know, you are suffering symptoms from. That's a problem that you, you know, that's a problem that you inherited, but did not create. Okay. Okay. So, so. You know, just to take this to the reality of the statute, and I know, I know you're going to. Um, this is gonna, this is gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt you, Khalid, because this is. I, I hate to do it to you. I say, what about your ultra Christian, ultra conservative family members? Do you have an obligation to them simply because they share your skin color and because they are in your, let's say. Because you know to me, blood is sicker than the water of the wound. I have always been, so like I've, I'm not going to say always, I've discovered uh, I have more patience um, talking to conservative Black people, not just family, conservative Black people in general. I have, I have more patience to do so. Um, as I've said, probably not on this podcast, I'm not sure, but um, I've had conversations and I've said, I firmly believe that most black conservatives believe that they have the interests of black people at heart. Um, I believe that, you know, they want the best for the black community. Um, however, I believe that they're misguided and they're, um, you know, they're going about it the wrong way. Um, I believe that because, you know, Mostly, right? I believe that most Black conservatives have Black interests at heart. And because of that, I am willing to engage with them because I believe that that thing that, that, thing that they want to do is linked to the thing that I want to do. I want the betterment of Black people, right? As a Pan-Africanist, um, I want to see Black people successful. I want to see us, you know, free from racism. I want to see us, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do better within America. Um, and that's a thing that, that that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue that we can agree on. Additionally, our experiences can be somewhat similar. It's just the way that we've been affected by those things can change our approach to things or change our political views on certain things, right? And so mm -hmm. I can engage with a Black person because there are experiences that 
you know, unify us. There are core issues that unify us. Additionally, I know that, you know, maybe with, maybe with a few outliers, I don't want to just blanket all black people, but I know that most black people, uh, you know, most conservative black people um, don't have issues with me because of my skin color, mm. right? So my opposition to them is not because you're a racist towards me, you know, maybe you've internalized racism and maybe the way that you decided, um, maybe the way that you think that you're going to succeed in America is through respectability, you know, through pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, so to speak. You know, we can fundamentally disagree there, but if you want what's best for the black community, you know, and you don't uh, invalidate me because I'm black, right? You know, I can, I can reach, I, I, there's more chance for me to reach them. I am more willing to engage with them. Additionally, they're not my oppressors. They're a symptom of a system of oppression. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I, I hear you, my man. I, I do hear you. All I'm trying to, I guess what I'm doing is I want to uncover you know, as an archaeologist would, I'm not an archaeologist or a paleontologist for anyone who's listening, but I want to uncover the truth of the matter, right? Are you, well, I guess you've already answered this. I was going to say, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly not going to swing out and say you're racist because I'm not an idiot, but you know, this could be used against you this type of argumentation you know it could it could very well be used against you sure but uh i don't owe racists my energy i don't i don't owe white supremacists my energy um additionally <clears throat> i think about the conversations that i've had with uh people that have racist views and um you know, may align with certain white supremacist ideology, right? Uh, end of the day, what it becomes is antagonism. Uh, my voice gets devalued simply because I'm black, you know, and, and, you know, they've internalized and are complicit with racist systems. They've, you know, they perpetrate, uh, you know, acts of, of oppression, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even in the way they speak and, uh, and, and certain things that they advocate for, right? And so it's like, I don't owe you the time of day. Um, okay. There, there are people that are willing to engage with them. Uh, you know, once again, this is what allies are for. Or mm-hmm. there are people, mm-hmm. you know, there are oppressed people that have the energy to attempt to pour into them, right? I just, I, after, after four years of dealing with combative racists and racism, I don't, I don't have the energy or the time. Like if I'm put into a situation, you know, to interact, um, I guess one of my biggest evaluations is are people perceptive to what I'm saying, right? If I tell you, hey, uh, uh, for example, if I say, hey, uh, suffering generational trauma and your response is, to invalidate me in my experience by saying, no, you're not, 
And if you are, maybe you should go see a therapist. Then no, I have nothing, I have nothing further to say to you because obviously I'm not going to get through to you because you know, you're entirely throwing away my experience as an oppressed person, right? Or as belonging to an oppressed group. Therefore, you know, if if a white person has the actually no, it falls on white people to have these conversations uh, because their voices uh, will not be entirely discounted or disregarded, right? Um, mm. But it's not on me. It is not on me to engage, and it's not racist. One, because as a black person, I cannot effectively oppress white people. Um, you know, as we look at the definition of systemic racism, right? I, mm. I, I cannot subject white people to oppression through things that I say or do, right? So it's not racist. And I wouldn't even say it's prejudice. It's just, I don't have the energy to engage with uh, my oppressors like that. I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think, I think you've stated your case very concisely and very well, you know, to keep everything candid, I would like to say, uh, despite what people may believe from social media, I am in fact white and an identity. I'm kidding. To keep everything candid though, I do respect what you have said. I will not say I respect your opinions because I feel that may debase what you are saying right to say opinions everyone has opinions i'm not i'm not going to do that however i will at the end of the day quote um an alt-right member and a supporter of the false state in saying facts don't care about our feelings so at the end of the day neither one of us is right nor the identitarians nor the white nationalists but what i will say is we will be on the right side of history unless you lead a revolution that leads to anarchy with a lowercase a, in which case I'm coming for you, Khalid Johnson. But until next time, Khalid, do you have anything you would like to say? Uh, I'm pretty sure I ended the Afrofuturism podcast with this. Oh. Um, <laughs> you do not owe your oppressors, uh, you don't owe them your trauma. Okay. You don't owe mm-hmm. them access to you and and you it is not your duty to try to save the soul of somebody that's oppressing you. Uh, that's what allies are for. That's what accomplices are for. You know, they're here. And if if they are really actively trying to be allies, then it's on them to step up and to, you know, address these issues. And it starts at home. You know, if if you if you as a white person are chilling in your house and you see a Trump flag or a uh, or a Confederate flag and you don't say anything, you're complicit. You know, you have to you have to confront bigotry and oppression where like it starts at home, you know, it, and once again, activism, you know, there are different there are different levels of activism. Everybody's activism isn't the same. Right. And so, you know, do what you can. But it also starts at home. There you have it. Straight out of Khalid Johnson's mouth. Do what you can. It starts at home. Speaking of home, Khalid, you have a meeting in a few hours. We're going to let you go home. Have yourself a nice meal. Uh, I'm going to be here regardless. I have things to do in the morning as well. 
So I'm about to take a nap. It is night night time around these parts. If you have any questions for us regarding anything that we've discussed in the podcast before, you can contact us via our Twitter, which is Ido underscore pod via our Instagram, which is the same Ido underscore pod. If you would like to listen to more, our Patreon exclusive, well, I will say Patreon inclusive, anyone who's in our Patreon, so inclusive, is In Defense of Time, which is our after show, where we get to the nitty gritty behind what some of our guests are thinking beyond their chosen topic. And just go ahead and if you're on Spotify or, or Apple, give us a follow. And then whenever we post new episodes or whenever the season releases, then you will get constant updates whenever we post. We're not spam emails, so they won't be 15 times a day, but they will be twice a week. So if you guys are interested in that, just go ahead and click that follow button. And then our episodes will auto-populate and you don't have to worry about searching us. Because uh, I know your fingers get tired typing the long name, which you would rather never mind. Anywho, Khalid, even though you said your final thoughts, is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, nothing at the moment. Uh, everybody be easy and uh, fight racism and bigotry. You heard it here. Go check out Stamped by Ibrahim X. Kendi. That is available as a book. There's now a child version, a children's version. Uh, I, I believe it's stamped for kids, it might be, uh, which chronicles racism, uh, both systemic and otherwise. There's also an audiobook available on Spotify and probably anywhere you can get audiobooks, like Audible. That's not an ad. But anywho, thank you guys. Have a nice day.